Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I am one of your hosts, Lyndon, also known as Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-hosts, Matt, also known as Null. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Reed, also known as Sick Robot. Hey, what's up? And Morgan, also known as Spleenface. Hey, everyone. Yes, that's right. We are doing names now. First names. Ooh, crazy changes. Um, <laughs> uh, in this episode, we will be covering Thrasios and Timna, the dynamic partner duo. Um, but before we get into that, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? Well, uh, I've been working on Urza a bit, which, you know, it's just, just a tiny bit salty that I didn't get to be on the review podcast. Just a tad. Um, yeah, we, we, we made sure that he couldn't say anything. Yeah. Urza yeah. had been spoiled, uh, and then we recorded the uh, uh, last main installment episode, and we banned uh, Reed so from sick. discussing it. Yeah, that's so <laughs> sick. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, not, not having done a super large amount of testing since we last talked, but um, deck's still sick. Still been doing a bit of testing, doing some card swaps. Uh, we're actually... Is Legacy's to... Allure still in the deck? It is, because it's uh, great. Yeah. The card's so good. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, uh, we're actually... I have a voice call set up with C Lurker and Shaper um, oh, in a big couple names. days. And we're going to go over and actually go through and argue about slots and make changes again. Nice. And actually update the main list. So keep your eyes peeled alert. for that. <laughs> Never. Oh my God. I refuse. Um, okay, so Matt, Morgan, and myself, we all went to a uh, doubles EDH tournament. We discussed this on our, uh, not the set review episode, but the episode before that. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a new one this month. It's a monthly tournament, and uh, Matt Morgan came first. Yeah. And, Undefeated. Uh, Undefeated. <laughs> me, and my, uh, me and my partner, Turnip, friend of the show, uh, came in second place, and both of uh, both Matt Morgan and uh, Turnip and I, we had uh, one commander in common, yeah. and that was uh, Teferi Time Raveler. It's all right. That card is absolutely disgusting in this uh, in this format. It's not um, bad. Yeah, we we are first and second place teams with Teferi, and the only match it dropped one match outside of Mirrors. One sorry, one game outside of Mirrors. Yeah. And the new uh, match is the greatest because you have two Teferis in play, and now everything's a sorcery. Just, everybody has to play with a granite ball yeah, in play. It's whoever great. Whoever draws the most counter spells loses. Yeah. yeah. Who finds who finds their pyro their pyro and reb like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was disgusting. Um, but yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see how they, if that card gets banned from that format. Hopefully, fingers Please. crossed. We all hope so. <laughs> um, yeah. So without further ado, let's uh, jump into housekeeping. Um, so first, uh, element on housekeeping is that we hit our patron goal. Uh, so we hit $50 Woo! a month. Yeah. Hooray. Woo. Yeah, thank the you. Studio audience goes wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we hit our $50 stretch goal, which means we're going to be doing bi-monthly episodes. 
Uh, and it's really helping support for our new audio equipment. If you go to our Discord, uh, Morgan posted a picture of our uh, sweet new audio equipment. And uh, we'll post a picture of this ghetto setup we have right now it's because <laughs> we do not have mic stands. <laughs> or uh, or insulation. Of yeah, yeah. so <laughs> it, is, it is something special. And, and go to the Discord and check that out uh, if you want to laugh. But yeah, so one of the um, things we decided to do because of uh, hitting our stretch goal and getting this audio equipment is that we figured we'd transition into using our first names for the podcast um you know something new um but yeah so before we move on any further let's just give a massive shout out to the patrons who helped us reach the stretch goal so uh i'll start uh thank you to magic turtle uh thank you to daniel r thanks to alexander l thanks to justin d thanks to Braden b thanks to jay cavio on the discord yeah, and thanks to Cyburn V. Thank you guys so much. This uh, patron. And sorry if we pronounced your names wrong. Yeah, yeah that's, that's uh, inevitable. You can't, can't, can't be sure. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the money is is going to uh, good use, improving the quality of the podcast. So uh, uh, it means a lot to us, really. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Ton of support from the community. Love all you guys. Uh, so then let's uh, hop into new developments. Uh, Reed, do you want to kick things off? Sure. Uh, so just recently, um, we have gotten confirmation that the London Mulligan is going to be adopted as the official mulligan of the 1v1 magic formats in general, uh, which is pretty big news for modern fanatics out there and to a lesser degree legacy fanatics, but also standards. Pretty huge thing. Massive, massive for um, big for limited. Yeah. Big old. Um, huge for limited, huge for standard too. Um, those like limited and standard formats no are more, lo- a lot less non-games. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of those broken things to do. We, yeah. we might see some bannings to compensate Papa, for this. Papa and, Sheldon blessed us by uh, yeah, and um, <laughs> and yeah, the rules committee has confirmed that they will in sync with the regular Magic official Wizards of the Coast Magic will be adopting the London Mulligan into EDH as well, um, which is a pretty big deal. Yes, and we talked about it on our previous non-set review podcast i believe but just go over it quickly yeah um, shuffle hulk players uh hulk players at large really love this um, goto players are happy uh pretty much any fast combo player any 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 deck that's really reliant on one, its mulligans. one spicy meatball i just want to throw out there is that doomsday grenzo now has the option to <laughs> london mall to find a world gorger dragon and then put it on the bottom of the library. Grenzo bins it, and then they've got the uh, animate dead and bring it back. World War yeah, II. So next, next, time we, next time we play against each other, could you please play Grenzo and aggressively mulligan for World War Dragon? See what you do is you play you play ninety eight land Grenzo. Oh, sorry, ninety land Grenzo with nothing but reanimation spells in World Gorger, and you just aggressively mulligan to George every game. Yeah, dude, just so, get there. So it's easy. easy. Um, but yeah, so one, I, I think this is a really solid move on, on the part of the RC because uh, just having a uniformity between magic formats is, I think it's going to be good for people who are coming into Commander. Although who isn't playing Commander at this point? <laughs> it's the foreign to play, man. Um, just before we move on as well, uh, I just want to touch on this because I've seen this going around on Discord and a lot of the online communities recently. Uh, London Mulligan is not an excuse to cut lands. I'm just saying, yeah. putting that out there. Uh so there's one situation where I could see it cutting lands, and the thing is there aren't really decks that are particularly good where it, this fits, so maybe those decks just become a little bit better uh, and you don't cut lands. But if you have particularly a commander that costs like three or four and getting it out on turn one or two is huge, 
this could potentially be a help where you're aggressively mulliganing until you have like either mox and signet or or talisman or something like that or soul ring or mana crypt the most obvious one i could think of would be grand arbiter august and the fourth where playing him on turn two versus turn three is a massive difference or something like model black cdc for that matter yes yeah um, but yeah, still. In, but there, if you want to have more than three lands throughout the course of a game, there are so many decks. That don't this cut is lands. Not correct to cut lands. I've seen people trying to suggest cutting to like twenty six lands and oh, shuffle just like that. That's, like that's, first, of, first of all, you need your colors, <laughs> sir. You don't. You don't function on single land hands. Yeah. Um, but also, like, like Mulligan, like the London Mulligan doesn't actually improve your first hand or your second hand no. at all and like so that means like if you're cutting lands you don't want to have to mulligan no, no. to if, six if you're cutting to like 27 lands in any deck that means you're going to six or five a large part of the time so like you have to not care about mulliganing like three or four times just rough um yeah so i think that about wraps up for the london mulligan uh morgan do you want to talk about some of your posts for new developments yeah so uh i made two posts about the first sliver just going into uh, uh, a really deep analysis of the math and how likely it is for you to win after casting Tainted Pact was the card I used but Demonic Consultation is also analogous. And the reason there were two posts is because the first one was uh, very wrong. <laughs> so, uh, whoopsie. Um, but it was, uh, it was an interesting you know, project and you know, it, it yielded some useful information, um, and it just helps people sort of know what the odds are on the deck, which I don't know if that increases how salty people are or decreases. Why did I fail? I had an 80% chance. Who knows? Uh, but, um, you know, it's it's always an interesting, uh, interesting challenge to really hash out the math on something like that. Especially with, like, the multi-card win cons as opposed to just, like, what it was with Niv or Tazri with yeah. those single card win cons, right? Yeah. There were a lot of cases. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> Who'd have guessed? 1,024 cases. Holy Jesus. moly. Um, yeah, and then you also had another solid post. Yeah, so uh, thanks to uh, Scotty, who posted uh, the replays from the tournament a few months ago Spike now. Feeders The Spike Feeders tournament track in yeah, March. He, he just got them back up to, onto casted, YouTube. Casted so. by yours truly, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and friend of the show, Turnip. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that was done uh, back in March. They were posted on YouTube, so I figured it would be a good time to uh, uh, go over one of the really interesting situations that came up in that tournament where um, essentially the situation was I told a player who could bounce my Vanifar that if they didn't, I could get scavenging ooze to stop a Gitrog player from winning um, because I didn't think I could win uh, through the pieces that I knew people had to disrupt me. And then I drew a card that would have let me win and just sort of thinking about, like, what do you do in that scenario where you made a deal on the presumption that you couldn't win and then all of a sudden you can win? You know, do you honor the deal? Do you just go for the win? Does the fact that it's a tournament versus casual play make a difference? Uh, and there were a lot of responses lots of lots of division lots in, of division yeah. yeah some people said i'd like i'll play to win no matter what even if you'd said you know i promise i'll get the scavenging news i would have just gone for the win and some people said you know if you implied you should you were going to get scavenging news you have to get scavenging news yeah some people were even strict saying that um loose 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 terms right like you know 
if you say, oh, you know, I could find scavenging ooze, but then you don't, they're saying, oh, you know, you can't, if you say you could, you have to. Like, there is a wide, a wide variety of responses there. I mean, I'd argue that those are pretty absolute terms, right? Like, you've agreed to get the scavenging ooze, so you have to get the scavenging ooze. But it depends on, if I say, you know, if I can use Vanifar, I can get scavenging ooze so we don't lose to Gitrog. Is that saying, I will? Like, or if I say, I can't win through the piece of disruption that I knew was in Gitrog's hand, so you know, I can get scavenging ooze and stop the Gitrog player and then all of a sudden I draw a card so I can win. Like, did I... Is that absolute? Yeah, we'll have to get a lawyer to sign off on that one. I'm yeah. not exactly well, well, sure. Well, we'll I think, I think this is going to be a good... Politics and CDH would be a, a solid topic for a future episode. Yeah, we'll probably cover And, uh, like, I know I've myself I've had in some interesting uh, political uh, circumstances and for whatever reason, the it's, it's just a... It'd be a good topic because there seems to be a pervasive meme that CDH, there's just there's no, no politics. politics. Yeah. And that casual EDH is where all the politics are and that's just simply not true. So there's we'll, we'll do that in a... <laughs> Just the we'll, stakes are way higher. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get into that in the future episode. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the main topic of our episode, which is uh, Thrasius and Timna. And uh, these these cards are some of the most discussed commanders in CDH, both in positive and negative lights, and just in the community at large. There's a constant discussion about Thrasius and Timna. In just general terms. Yeah. Some would say most discussed. Some would say most disgusting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I think we'll we'll kind of break this topic down into into evaluating the cards individually, um, evaluating them together, and then talking about how they are positioned and how they're viewed in the context of the format as a whole, and like how they influence the format. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, uh, maybe how to go about uh, balancing them but let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves let's 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 hop into the uh discussing them individually uh so who wants to kick things off with uh thrasios yeah i'll i'll get into this a bit um uh i've so i've over the past few weeks uh, a couple days in the past few weeks have sort of turned over uh like how to describe the power of thrasios um to somebody in my head a bit uh just because i think uh, a lot of people that aren't necessarily well versed in the format don't particularly see the immediate power of thrasios and like how good he really is um just because i think a lot of his power tends to be pretty invisible yeah. um he, like obviously he's an outlet but you don't actually see outlets come down a lot of that a lot of the time uh, in a game, you just see, like, the scepter combo happen, and then they go, okay, I have infinite mana, and I'm going to draw my deck and win. Yeah. And you go, okay, shuffle up. Um, but, so, basically, uh, my, th- like, how I try to describe it is, like, Thrasios does two things really well compared to any other, um, or in the context of infinite mana outlet commanders. And uh, each one of those um, doesn't necessarily rule out every other or make him outclass every other infinite mana commander individually, but put together they do. Um, and those two things would be that, A, he's a infinite colorless mana outlet, so you do not need colored mana to pump into him to win past the initial blue-green to cast him. And then along with that, he generates a noticeably large amount of value outside of the combo turn when you're not going infinite, um, just because four mana for a two-card look 
is a pretty good rate in general. Yeah, he's one of those cards where it, it didn't have to say scry, and he didn't have to put lands into play, and he still would have been fantastic. He didn't yeah. have to only cost colorless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so, like, it's just, like, like I'll, like, I'll generally, like, go through and, like, so, like, you can, like, look at either of them first and, like, be like, oh, okay, so we're going to look at, like, the being a colorless outlet first. So, like, you go through and, like, okay, so what is the outclass on that front? Well, he outclasses anything that requires colored mana to go off. So you can tick off, like, anything, and like, any infinite mana outlet that needs colored mana. So, like, stuff like Brea, stuff like... Um, Tassiger, stuff like anything that requires like a lot of colored sources to go off. Uh, and then there's still stuff left over. Uh, there, like there are still commanders out there that like you can go off with infinite colored mana, colorless mana with. But as soon as you tack on the value that he generates outside of the combo turn, he eliminates all of those as well and just tends to stand on its own. Whereas you can also do this the other way, where like uh, he generates a lot of value outside of the combo turn, um, and you can eliminate like everything except for like Brea and Tassiger. And it's like, oh, and he also does it with colorless mana instead. Yeah, so I think it would be, I think it would be um, worthwhile just kind of comparing and contrasting, like to what infinite mana outlets look like before uh, Thrasio. So we already mentioned uh, Tassiger, and Brea was actually in the same set as Thrasio, so you can't yeah. really say that. But uh, Tassiger was really the go-to. Same with Una. Yeah. Um, you yeah. saw Una was uh, a infinite mana outlet. Um, you have stuff like Merith. A yeah, bit. yeah, a bit, but Tasker, Tasker really was the main one in in CDH, and just like I mean, Tasker as an outlet itself requiring colored mana to to go off, sure that is a barrier. But if you want to just evaluate activating something at like let's say end of turn when you have this mana up, Tasker activations kind of pale in comparison to Thrasher's activations. Oh yeah, unless like you're sh straight up trying to stop an opponent from winning. And you know, if someone has a vested interest in giving you a force of will, um, most of the time Tasker is going to be getting back, you know, a signet or something like that. Yeah, it's like um, it's it's not great when you're ahead. Yeah, like I, uh, I think I've said this uh, before, but um, like Tasker's really good at not letting you die, yeah. but like he doesn't really he's not that great at like actually putting you ahead or actually gaining you like real advantage because like he he's whenever you're activating him without anybody being forced to give you a card like a counter spell everybody like people are just going to give you the actual worst card that they can every single time you never get demonic tutor yeah you, you never just get demonic tutor off the top or you never just like hit a paradox engine off the top and you just go okay well i guess i just get it because <laughs> if you hit a paradox engine off the top with tassiger they go okay great we're gonna give you the literally water, everything else literally, yeah, <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna give you the nature's claim and then we're gonna have somebody point a surgical extraction at that paradox engine so you never get it back um and sure he has delve but he he's not going to be filtering his graveyard correctly like you're always going to have to bin something bad <laughs> he's you you clear all your signets only to bin another one. <laughs> oh yeah no 100 percent time and also like just on that note uh with the paradox engine um just thrasios's synergy with paradox engine is effectively unmatched in the command zone really um uh, uh, of course there's stuff that like wins with paradox engine but just like the generic value that he has along with like so like first of all just like being able to pump the extra mana that you get off of paradox engine activations into activating thrasios to get more cards to keep doing that yeah. and then like you have pretty good ability to filter what you're getting off of him um and then also just like going infinite with top plus engine plus mana sources um whereas like again tasker can't really do that because you're just going to be getting back like counter spells every single time and eventually you're just going to run out of activations you activate your top and then you mill your top yeah. and then you don't get your top <laughs> and if you think about thrasios's colors right blue and green 
He provides you access to mana dorks through green and also a compact infinite mana outlet or infinite mana combo with dramatic scepter, right? Like being able to to go off with just like a, a mana vault as your other uh, as the other piece, whereas in Tasker again you have to find colors and it can't be talismans because then you're hurting yourself on on life and yeah it's there's there's definitely issues there now. It, there's, it would, well, there's also like. Thrasios is like if we look at him in a context of like Thrasios as a standalone. That's what yeah, too. that's what I was yeah. gonna say. Is just let's let's evaluate Thrasios and compare him to just where where he ranks in terms of other Simic commanders. Not even if you partner him with like Kaidal or anything. Let's just say if it's standalone Thrasios, he still ranks in some of the the, the top upper echelons of Simic commanders. Yeah, he's worse than Mobius. Well, so so like we do like, so like we do have like he's worse than Vanifar. I'm taking that stance. <laughs> we, we we can even like we with like. We don't really have, like, nobody's actually done work on this specifically, but, like, he, people have done work on, like, making budget builds of him with Kaidel yeah. paired in the command zone. And, like, even that, like, Kaidel doesn't really pull that much. Like, she does sort of some stuff. Yeah, it but, goes like, infinite with some with some cards. Yeah, 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 so, like, so, like doesn't, doesn't pull a huge amount of weight. Just, like, those two put together are, like, one of the best budget decks in the format. Um, like I played that deck. Yeah, it was like, perfectly like, serviceable. Yeah. Blue-Green blue Scepter with Thrasers at the Helm is, like, not a bad deck. And, like, it's actually, like, very competitive at lower budgets, which just tells you a lot about, like, how good Thrasios is as a card. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely a few inexpensive artifact tutors in blue that you can just chuck in if you yeah. need to. Um, so, just, like, the fact that, like, he is he's competing with, like, top three, top two in blue-green as a standalone card is sort of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um... Okay, <laughs> let's, after singing the praises of uh, Thrasios, let's move on to uh, Timna. So, Matt, you want to kick things off on this? Sure. Uh, so, Timna uh, is effectively uh, a low-cost card advantage engine in your command zone. Uh, you could think of uh, Timna as something like Frexian Arena, but really, in reality, it's much better. Yeah. Um, it's uh, difficult for any player uh, at the table to answer one Timna, let alone you know, a whole fleet of Timnas. Well, also just like, because the whole, the whole thing with that is like, like with, with something like a, um, with like a Phyrexian Arena normally, um, in the command zone or something like that, like you could probably like, just like convince somebody to remove one if they're playing it in like their 99. Yeah. Right? Like with it goes a, if away, right? If, it doesn't if, go, it doesn't yeah, go if, to the command if, zone. If a, if a NAF has like a stacks effect out in a Phyrexian Arena and he's just like grinding like that, you're just like, yeah, remove the Phyrexian Arena like we can deal with this card advantage stuff later. Like whatever. With Timna, you, it's so hard to convince people sometimes to remove Timnas because it's just like they're just they're just gonna cast it next turn yeah. and like the Thrasios is giving them land drops every turn anyway, so they're just gonna be able to recast it anyway. Especially if someone's trying to remove like, a Timna at like sorcery speed. Oh yeah, because you know Timna hits the hits the battlefield. They swing in with their creatures. They draw you know one to three cards, and then you're like, wow, they've already gotten so much out of this uh, out of their commander. Now if I remove it with like a deluge or something, you know, sure it clears the board temporarily and then but they just rebuild with all the cards they drew and comes back and maybe again. they don't want to affect their own board presence right yeah. maybe deluge is too much for them yeah. uh yeah and another thing that is different about Frexian arena is it doesn't say you draw a card for each other player <laughs> yeah. really well, like, yeah and it doesn't etb draw cards like yeah the whole thing is like you look at like timna in the context of like a 1v1 format and it's like oh like i can build my deck to deal with a timna i can just like play blockers yeah. and like do that in a multiplayer format that doesn't happen you have like one teferi player at the table it's just like guess he's getting a free card every turn like a plus whoever doesn't else doesn't have blockers you, you just need to look at how timna has warped card choices in other decks 
to <laughs> see how impactful it is. The fact that people sometimes view, and I know I view as like a Gitrog player, we, we, we run um, Forbidden Orchard as a way to give other players Timna blockers. That is no longer a downside. That is an upside. The fact that X3 is just a bar that you have to cross to be a good creature in the format now (laughs) because it blocks Timna. (laughs) People put Wall of Roots in decks that don't need Wall of Roots. (laughs) You know what? Well, like that's like we like I I'm sure I'm sure this was heavily covered in the set review, but like just Urza being so good because of the fact that just he blocks Timna. Two Timna blockers. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like are you kidding me? But yeah, just like the like, uh, and like I've seen people um, just on another note, like I've seen people like argue about um, like oh, like it says a lot about the format that like a Phyrexian Arena like is warping the format this much, and like oh, like it, it shouldn't be that good. Like you can just remove it. Like it's a creature. Like what are you having so many issues with? It's like yeah, but like tack a Phyrexian Arena, like give a Phyrexian Arena with partner to any other commander, and like just see what stupid shit they do with that, right? Yeah. I don't know. Like, if you just, like... Any amount of card quality issues you would have... Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, give, like, Xur a Phyrexian Arena as a partner in the command zone, right? It's just, like... Yeah, I just, like... I I don't really care if my Xur gets removed now, because, like, I just have another thing that's drawing me a card every turn. (laughs) Yeah, and Xur is one of the worst commanders to give that to, because he just has no creatures in the deck. And all of a sudden, you're, like... I don't even care, man. Like that's I, I, I'll just, I'll, I can I can take massive advantage of it. I can start including things like even mind tensors and blah 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 just just to reap value just from to that. Get extra cards. Yeah. Also, like, can I just say like I, I think Lennon said this a lot recently, but like just why did they have to give it lifelink? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the there's a there's a classic classic meme with uh, get rog. It's just it has you know oh you know it could be like a three three with that effect. It's so great, but no, it's a six six, and it also has death touch. Just yeah. in case, <laughs> just in case. What were you bigger. blocking it with anyway? Yeah. As a hole. The answer is <laughs> as a hole. <laughs> the first but, liver. But ah. I've seen I've seen Timna players or, or Thrasia. There's never just Timna play. It's, it's Thrasios. I've seen the Thrasios Timna player uh, Necropotence lock themselves down to one life and break out of it because of Timna. Yeah. What? <laughs> they have no, no right. Thanks. And speaking of, like, we talked about Thrasios as a standalone card. Like, uh, a friend of ours uh, played a Timna Ravos deck, uh, an Ad Nauseum Storm deck, that was all right. Like, it, was, <laughs> it worked well. No, like, like this sort of ties in. This yeah. sort of ties into something else too. Like that, like the fact that, like, this is like the same thing as Thrasios is doing, but like on an even larger scale. That Timna is legitimately just the best Orzov commander on her own. Like you don't have yeah. like like you have like maybe Tesa, but like Tesa's really iffy. Like just the fact that like you just have a Phyrexian Arena in the command zone. Never mind that you can just pair with Ravos and like get like a Street Wraith value. I don't know. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but but like, just like the fact that like Timna alone is literally just the best commander in her colors. I don't know. Yeah, that's just rough. That's kind of insane. <laughs> that's so nuts. Yeah. Well costed, great effect. And flank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been we've been treating these cards really as if they didn't have one of the best keywords on them, and that's partner. So let's let's examine them as a pair. Uh, Morgan, do you want to cover this one? Sure. So they're in Sans Red, which is a color combination that doesn't really have weaknesses. Uh, Lots of other color combinations are missing. The ones that are missing black don't have tutors. The ones that are missing blue don't have good stack-based interaction. But uh, Sans Red, or Witch Ma, whatever you want to call it, has everything. Red doesn't really do anything super unique. You get better costed wheels and 
a little more depth on pyroclasms and red blasts, but counter spells exist outside of those. Board wipes exist outside of those. Time twister, wind, uh, windfall. Time twister and windfall are cards. Yeah, so deluge. when you're building a deck around them, lots of decks are defined, or commanders in part are defined by what they can't do, and color combinations are defined by what's missing from them. And there's nothing missing from these. You have everything you need in your colors. Yeah, it's really like you don't you don't really have to do any digging through Scryfall with Timon and Thrasios for effects that you want, right? Like yeah, like I've noticed this for like You can fill 150 cards real fast. Yeah. yeah. For for stuff like especially when I'm like working on Veralls, it'll be like I'm I'll look I'll just be looking through Scryfall and just like what are, like I need this effect. Does yeah. it exist? Can I make it exist? Like what combination of cards make this effect exist in these colors? With Timon and Thrasios, you just like look through yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, no, some like, of the fun just, of yeah. building decks is you know the challenge. You know, well, what's what's the what's the expression? The uh, something breeds creativity. Mark Rosewater says restriction breeds creativity. So as Mark Rosewater says, restriction breeds creativity, and I definitely feel that when I'm in uh, mono red. You know, in Goto, my casual Goto list, chucking in all the crappy uh, card advantage engines. Outpost Siege, Stolen Strategy, <laughs> best best card rated engine, Prophetic Flame Speaker. Yeah, one of my favorite cards. The slew of Chandra. <laughs> I don't think anyone card has draw. a say against them. Yeah. Um, basically, like, Timna. It's it's Privacy. basically. T- <laughs> um, yeah. So that's that's something that you just don't get in this color combination. You have no problem finding cards that are just of such a high quality that you can fill the list so easily. If you just play Thrasios, Timna, good stuff, you've got a solid tier 1, tier 1.5 deck. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. And the difference between this, because, like, people would obviously say, like, oh, well, we've had five-color commanders before. Like, five-color commanders have existed for a long time. Why is this there any different? It's because, well... Your commanders are amazing. Your commanders actually <laughs> exist. Like, before... So... Before Parters got printed overall, let alone just Thrasios and Timna, if you want to go into five colors, and be- Scion? before Tazri too, you're you're like you're stuck with Scion or one of the Sliver Commanders for for an infinite mana outlet that's not dragons. Yeah. <laughs> but like now, you actually have commanders that exist in the command zone. Oh and man, you my, have all my <laughs> running out of gas. Just play my oh, two no. commanders and what draw a, a million cards. Yeah, my one commander with a card advantage and just stable to it got removed. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> maybe I need to cast the other one now, <laughs> which has no tax. Yeah. Ridiculous. Oh yeah, they're just. I'm just thinking about partners. Maybe it would be fair if they if they shared commander tax. That would certainly be a good start. Yeah. <laughs> or if they were costed well, like, or better, or I yeah. guess worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if they weren't as efficient cards, yeah. Well, I think, let's let's save the discussion on how to fix them yeah. for true, that true. section. Um, yeah, so let's continue to bitch and moan about how, <laughs> how busted they are together. Um, yeah, so you've got... It's just there's such an efficient shell for whatever deck you want to make. So uh, Flash Hulk, uh, Bre- so Breakfast Hulk, Shuffle Hulk, all the Hulk Flash Hulk variants, um, they give you a solid. I don't even know if it's you can call it Plan B because I know a lot of the time um, Reed, who's you know well, one of the top players on the the, the your playstyle, is 
really <laughs> sandbaggy. Way Timna and yeah. Drawcard. Yeah, it's it's like it's really that like you can build like so shuffle is built around the fact that it has Timna yeah. and it, it abuses that a lot. <laughs> but you don't necessarily have to do that for a partner's deck. You can just sort of have Timna and just do things anyway and just like not do the sandbaggy thing and be like PST and just play out your cards every turn and generate value. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just good. Uh, like I, I sort of want to save a lot of this discussion for um, how they impact the format with that kind of stuff. But yeah, like the partners just really just give you a base to do whatever you want. Like especially, I've seen like the uh, just archetype the, agnostic. Yeah, pretty much like the dreadnought deck. Um, from uh, Siggy and Leptis on uh, the Discord. Uh, what's what's the second I'm not familiar it's with? It's basically you play Phyrexian Dreadnought as your main combo okay. enabler, and you play things like... Uh, what's the combo? Well, you it's not really a combo. You, just, <laughs> you play Manual Storm. Okay. So you play Greater Good and oh, Phyrexian Dreadnought okay, okay. and See, all you that just said Phyrexian Dreadnought, I'm like... Frexian Dreadnought well, combo. Well, I'm like, dude, mm. it's a, a one mana 12 12. What do you do with that? Uh, well, sack it to draw 12 cards. You, yeah. Yeah. And then you play like Tashar and you do all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But like the point being, that deck isn't good in any other color combination and any other commander combination because it's just hilarious and it's not actually built to be good. It's built to be fun. But the reason it exists is because Thrasius and Timna just let it do stupid things despite it being not a great strategy at its core in a in a similar vein i very briefly messed around with an alluren ball deck yep. and turns out that when you just have a bunch of random two and three drops that uh you know have some marginal etb and then you play timna that's actually uh that's all right even if alluren combos are inherently dangerous and also unwieldy it's yep. it's like paint by colors the commanders you know like f fill in fill yeah, in color inside the squares. lines and you're good yeah. throw in a uh man I, i'm saying palancron dead eyes like that's that, that combo is bad in cdh right like tassiger played that did like you, you just ages ago you just fill your deck with dorks and draw cards off them eventually even, cast a tooth and nail you, you can just still win the game. do it <laughs> you can, draws you in your, to your counter spells and three palancron is, is basically free and then it just draws cards off timna man okay. <laughs> <laughs> so good but yeah Can't you just put it. in any infinite combo and just good stuff it's insane but yeah so let's let's move on uh <laughs> sorry one other oh, advantage sorry. of playing them together is that as we as we've discussed there are a lot of different thrasios and timna decks so there's a little bit of a snowball effect where now they have an even bigger advantage because when you sit down at a table, you don't know what you're playing against. You see Thrasios and Timna, you look at your hand, maybe it's a little bit sketchy, but there's a Graph Digger's Cage in it. Well, if you're playing against Flash Hulk, then awesome. You if you're died. playing against PSD, you just kept a sketchy hand on the back of a useless card. Yeah. Actually, another funny property of them is that Thrasios blocks Timna. Yeah, that's a good. That's a great <laughs> one. And neither of them die. <laughs> so if you're if you're if you're the only person in a pod not playing Thrasios and Timna, everybody else is going to be swinging at you because they can all block each other. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's like the old legend rule with like GTA, and <laughs> <laughs> you play your GTA to kill their GTA. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, just like the like that's sort of hilarious too. Is that like just stuff like GTA? is now being considered as metatech options just because it kills timna and stuff like just like <laughs> sorry just 
again, getting back to that, things that just randomly kill tutus are now being considered for competitive decks just because they deal with her. <laughs> just, and like, so so this, this let's was, let's let's shift this into how it affects the uh, format because we're we're talking already about card choices and and how how it's warping other people's deck decisions. So yeah, let's let's move on to the this next topic or at least continue this conversation under the umbrella of this next topic which is how do they affect the format what does it look like what do thrashkins and timna look like in the context of the greater cdh format yeah um so are they good for the format uh, I, w- I wanted to sort of talk over the good stuff okay. a bit first just because to get it out of the way so we can continue shitting on the terrible design <laughs> choices of wizards of the coast um but I think there are some uh, good points of commanders being printed. Obviously, not enough to outweigh the bad, because oh my god, is there a lot of bad? Um, but uh, there, I think there are things that come from partners that benefit the format to a degree. Uh, primarily among those, in my personal opinion, anyway, would be uh, an increase in strategy diversity that comes from the printing of them. Uh, we talked about how I, a bit, at least. I don't think we directly mentioned this, but how them being good basis in high colors for a number of decks means that a lot of strategies that didn't really have a set commander before migrated up to partners so that's why you see a lot of strategies under that umbrella uh so with that comes a decrease in commander diversity which i think a lot of people complain about and fairly rightly so um that a lot of things are just in thrasios timna now but along with that a lot of strategies have become a lot more playable now uh, and that's sort of due to, again, just the good base that they give. So, like, we end up with uh, Hulk strategies that require all four colors, but do this. But we also end up, like, PST in those colors. Uh, some cool, like, just demonic consultation, pure demonic consultation stuff like that. And, like, some more fringe strategies in so those commanders. This is a common... This is a... The strategy diversity argument is a common argument that people use to defend these partner combos. And before, like... This might fall into a, you know, are they bad for the format? I just want to, I just kind of want to give my counter argument to that, which is, you know, oh, they've got PST. PST, you can have a PST shell in Tassiker. It's worse. You, like, these are just... Or it, Tess, you, or... You, you, you really get, I mean, Tassiker, Tassiker, I think, is the closest... It's, it's more of an it's ST, a, though. You know, you're sort of missing the P in that deck is the thing. Yes. I played Paradox Engine in Kess for a very long time. That card performed. Oh yeah, no, I don't doubt it. See, I feel like the, a lot of this, obviously, because the commanders Thrasios is so much better than than yeah. similar outlets, you, you you lose some of the strength, but you don't lose the core strategy. You you still have yeah. infinite mana with you know, uh, Isarev and and whatnot in in these other commanders. Uh, in Hulk, I mean, Hulk is a bit unique. Um, there was Hulk like things before. Uh, before Thrasios Timna, like there was the Carador, Carador Boonweaver was sort of like Hulk strategy, but I mean, even without, it is a bit hard to separate Hulk from partners just because yeah. it's never really existed without them in the format. So yeah. we, I, they're obviously like a, I've obviously put together decks without partners at the helm with Hulk in them, uh, just to sort of check it out. But yeah, I still think there are a lot of decks that exist because partners are good though, and are good because partners are good. Like, we have, like, Razakats, PST, yeah, so Ra- I think Razakats is the most compelling one. It's I think it's the deck that would have the hardest time existing if there wasn't... And it's not even really because of the commanders so much as it is just because it really makes use of all of its colors. Yeah. You could 
also, sort of do things in Abzan. It also makes you can do really sketchy things in Esper, but neither of those do feel particularly good. No, you're not talking about Mar um, uh, Mardu Razakats with Edgar Markov. Come on, man. It also, it also it also does make use of both of its commanders really well though I think out of all of the yeah. really like uh Thrasios tempted decks just because it uses Thrasios as a really nice way to layer more combos into the deck just sure. with uh LED looping with uh, Bomberman um and it like it really appreciates the extra cards that come from Timna consistently um, I mean, just what deck general. wouldn't? Yeah, but it it really it it really it uses both of them to the biggest. We're like when you look at stuff like PST, it doesn't necessarily use Timna all the time. It's a lot of the time it's just like more Timna on our own. And for Hulk, it's like I don't care about having Thrasios at all. So I guess, yeah, yeah. Razakats is certainly real. Flash Hulk might not exist, although people would probably still try oh, other Hulk. Oh, well, Flash Hulk would exist exists. to a degree. Yeah. Losing the four color aspect. Well, it gains makes five it, color. I guess yeah, just, you could do just, five. There's five color flash hulk things. Um, people would still play ISO rev. People would still play paradox engine. Yes. Is cats really strategy diversity? <laughs> well, just the other jank builds as well as more. What I'm talking about people. People get to have a good shell to base all of their new ideas and new brews off of. Um, really is sort of the argument. So Again, it's a does, does really it exactly, solid deck building crutch. It de- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It definitely no, but it definitely does let you explore certain strategies a little bit more. Like you can get a little bit farther into the exploration of them, and and come to some actual useful conclusions rather than you build a deck. It's really unrefined and unwieldy. So then you just dismiss the strategy because the yeah. the sheer card advantage of them does let you push through unrefined decks some clunkiness yeah. reasonably effectively. Um, so I, it it sort of helps exploring whether or not strategies are viable. It's more of like a pregame mulligan kind of situation, I think. <laughs> like you can keep the craziest hands because they have the minimum amount of interaction, <laughs> and you're just going to draw into your combo. Right? Do a lot more testing on those things. I think it sort of ties into something. I'm I'm going to be the person defending partners here, by the way, because I play them the most. Um, uh, we but, forgive him. Yeah. Uh, necessary evil. I got to prove that they got to be banned. Um, yeah, so did you want to... Uh, yeah, I sort of wanted to cover one more thing in the good before we get back to shitting on them. Sure. Um, which is, in my opinion at least, I think they bring a level of higher skilled play to the game um, when they exist. Just because... So, it's sort of... You have to wrap your mind around it to bend a bit to get there. <laughs> but, uh, really, the, so the core way that I would talk about this is, like... When you have decks that do things inconsistently and don't necessarily do the same thing every time or don't have access to the same cards every time, a lot of it is like a lot more about of games is about what hands you keep and like how you play the hand that you were given, um, which isn't necessarily a high skill thing all the time. A lot I, I know, especially for things like Veralls, um, when I play that deck, uh, there wasn't a lot of skill in actually playing out hands a lot of the time. Like, obviously, like, waiting for stuff, but it's like, I have access to these exact ten cards. These are the only ten cards I'm seeing this entire game. I'm just 
going to try to go for the win using them. And it's a lot more about like figuring out lines. When you have partners in the format that give everybody access to like so many more cards and let them see so much more of their deck consistently for all these different strategies, a lot of it is more about how you interact with the people at the table and how like you like look for different cards depending like like how you how you look for like meta calls like is it is this the correct time to go for graph digger's cage because i have the option to go for that or i can go for the win this turn or i can go for extra protection to back up my stuff as opposed to like a lot of other lower color decks where it's like i have this tutor for exactly my win con i'm going for my win con i have a piece of like removal in my hand that's all i'm doing but I, i think really you're more describing a symptom of blue black decks than you are describing a symptom yes. of partners it's just that they've partners moved the every of that, yes. well they've just <laughs> moved every archetype into blue black yes but uh, like certainly the play patterns you're describing sound exactly like playing Kess. yes uh just that partners are a really easy way to give everybody access yeah. to that card selection yeah i'd say this feels like a th- theoretical benefit more than oh, one yeah, that no, no, actually no, no. manifests 100 percent. I, I i think that a lot of low skill players play partners decks because they allow low skill play as well you just sort of stick tim to draw a bunch of cards and go for the win <laughs> I, I think it goes the opposite way as well like the, the the players who aren't on partners also have to be a higher skill level because they have to realize the partner deck has access to all its cards yeah. right it's going to get access to all its cards um is this the time to stop their card advantage engine early like is this the time to set up, um, you know, my protection against their combo. It's, it's the same thing on, in the reverse as well. Yeah. Um, you'd be surprised. Uh, what really kind of is crazy to me is how surprising. Sometimes I see Thrasios players who have, you know, a bunch of mana. They don't play their Thrasios and they don't activate their Thrasios. And that's what really blows my mind. That's almost like, you know, sure, there's a higher skill cap, but there's also a higher skill min. Like, you just have to realize that you can rely so heavily. Even, <laughs> yes. on, even on Thrasios. Yeah. Like, yeah. even yeah. if, you know, sure, Timna draws you more cards uh, per turn thrasios um you know isn't equally good very efficient mana sink thrasios puts a lot of weight <laughs> i'm sick and tired of us giving you know all these how are they good for the, let's talk about more <laughs> more shitting on these guys okay come on let's let's talk more about how they're bad for the format so as reed mentioned low commander diversity um and i, I really have a point to to make about this i think having low commander diversity is actually antithetical to the spirit of the format of EDH because the the individual commanders I'll I'll put it again this way the if you have everyone on Thrasios Timna even if there's different strategies you might as well be playing 100 card singleton Highlander like Canadian Highlander or something like that Right. There's there's just a consistent access to the same effect from everybody and really having the commander diversity and the diversity of effects and build arounds is what makes the commander format unique. Yeah, the the commander format gives you access to one guaranteed effect. And I think it's a little bit sad that instead of picking a guaranteed effect that really synergizes with something your deck's trying to do. Like, I don't know, look at Storm as an archetype. There's like Yidris and Jaleva and Kess and Mizzix and all of these cards are like, play Storm with me. It's like, play Storm but in I, different ways, Yeah, too. play Storm in different ways. Like but like JVP they, and stuff like that, yeah, too. Yeah, there's so many commanders that just scream, play Storm with me. And it's like, oh, what, what Storm commander should I play? Oh, just generic card advantage? Yeah, sure. Like, instead of your unique thing that you always have access to being some special effect that other people aren't playing 
you've essentially just said, well, instead of a special unique perk, I just want to see a few extra cards every game, which is... Yeah. And Thrasios, like, Thrasios and Timna, that's not just two... It's not That's not like playing two commanders. Both of them have multiple facets to them. Like, Thrasios, as, as mentioned, is an infinite outlet and also is a card advantage engine, right? And is a really... A fit in, like, just a, a Timna attacker in the command zone. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I don't think we mentioned You play that. him on turn two, yeah. and then you can follow up to turn three, Timna, and immediately cash in on that yeah, card. Yeah, they curve. Yeah. <laughs> they curve They curve really well. I mean, if you're playing Thrasios in the Timna, you've got a good mana situation we, going we on. Didn't, we didn't really fun. mention that, yeah, like, the, the base case for partners is turn one land, turn two, cast Thrasios, turn three, cast Timna, swing, draw a card, continue doing that for the rest of the game. Like, that's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to mention the fact that you're starting, so both of these are individually really solid uh really solid commanders you have two of them you're starting with an additional card in your hand eight cards in hand is pretty good and we might talk about that when we're trying to balance them but still um but yeah uh, just going back to um how linden was talking about um the impact of like the just ambiguity of or the sort of uniformness of everybody playing partners um i really like how uh, that describes why they're bad for the format because uh, personally i don't really buy into like spirit of the format arguments really um they sort of rely on i don't know like feelings a bit much for me yeah in the context it, of the game. typically but people I, say spirit of the format in regards to casual dunking on competitive yeah, but, players but i really i really like uh, that argument from a game design perspective where um what is the purpose of us having this facet to a game or having this element, this unique element to a format or a specific game, if the only way that is going to be used is the exact same way every time. Like, why? Why do we? Like, why do we include a part of the game or a zone in the game when everybody's using it the exact same way, and it would not be much different from just not having it at all? Yeah. Like a good a good analogy is: Has anyone ever heard a casual player say, "Oh man"? My opponent had this sweet Damia deck. Yeah. Like, oh, it just draws you up to seven cards every turn. <laughs> oh, like, no one ever goes, oh, that that effect, you know, they did something really cool with that. It's yeah. like, oh, they drew a bunch of cards and then... Mana bond? <laughs> 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 and turn spells? No. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... I, I think that we're, as much as CDH tries, we, we try to push the format and we want to play the best commanders possible. We're not completely like that either. The, the Thrasius and Timna already comprise such a, a large percentage of the decks you'll see in, in competitive ranked ladders and things like that. And yet there is still a bunch of people who are essentially refusing to play. Thrasius and Timna. Guilty. Yeah, same. Like <laughs> I've played Timna. That's the extent of so, my splurging. We, we we acknowledge that if if we were if, if we had to play for let's say an insane amount of money, right? Or our heads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do well, you take Thrasius Timna? Like probably. Yeah. I might take Kess no just because I'm familiar familiar with it, but Right. So we we're intentionally avoiding these partners. So if if everyone was playing how they thought they should be playing, it would be even higher percentages than we're seeing now. It would it would it it be disgusting. Which frankly. I mean stands yeah. for every format, obviously. I mean, like how many death and taxes players in Legacy would be playing like Grixis Control instead of they actually had the cash to afford duels for it. But um it's like I think still to a higher degree 
in this format. Um, like people definitely just, especially because it's EDH and you want to play things that aren't. A lot of it is, is I don't even think that's necessarily true. I think because in legacy people are playing with cards they own in tournaments. Whereas in the CDH community, uh, on cockatrice and on, and webcam where we're very webcam, we're very pro proxy and obviously cockatrice, you don't need to spend any money to have these cards. So people are electing not to play these because they just don't want to. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like, it, it it's this is still an effect that you see in other formats just nowhere near as prevalent as i think we're seeing right now in edh just because yeah like people just don't want to play the, the partner menace <laughs> understandably so as well what else what else is there to say about about this i feel like that sums it up a lot it just it takes away the essence of what commander of why why we're playing this format instead of Highlander. Let's just go back to Elder Dragons. Another <laughs> another thing to illustrate would be generally as the number of colors you have access to scale up, the power level of your commander should should scale down because that's your that's another episode too, right? Your deck gets stronger as you have access to a larger card pool, so it in order to balance that, the commander should be weaker. If Thrasios and Timna were in three colors, how many color combinations would they not be the best commander? Yeah. Maybe like Esper. Maybe Esper. I genuinely believe that apart from his colors, or her colors, Derevi is possibly the single strongest commander. Like, that effect is absurdly yes. strong. Yeah. Maybe I'd rather play Derevi in Bant, but maybe not because the card draw alleviates because the lack of tutors, which is so stupid. Fantastic. Problem. Maybe Grixis, I'd still rather play Kess, but. So we've named, yeah. you know, three or maybe four three. commanders <laughs> that would be better in their colors than Thrasios and Timna are. And Thrasios and Timna are in four colors. Yeah. Yeah, one of the problems, and I think going forward, that we're going to see this become even more of a problem as uh, you look at what uh, Wizards of the Coast is printing into their sets is that they are printing some really strong five color commanders, uh, and this is this is already you know a problem because of partners where you've got all these possible four color combinations, and even with just if you look at other partners, they're not nearly as strong as Thrasis and Timna as a combination due to both colors and just what's printed on the card. Uh, and mana costs and whatnot, but partners are still dominant. Like people make uh, Mardu, like Bruce Tarl, Timna decks, and like weird jank like that. Yeah, that, those decks steal games. They they steal games for sure. But the as as the the, the problem with uh, Commander sort of is that there's just no downside to getting more colors. If your command, like if Gitrog was Sultai, that'd be amazing. Like. Or especially, especially when it's not punishing. Like you need to spend. If Gitrog had to be, if if Gitrog cost like Wooberg, that wouldn't be great. Uh, but if yeah. Gitrog had just some random Wooberg ability, the really unfortunate downside to Commander, and luckily the community is pretty open to people not actually buying cards, uh, so it's somewhat alleviated. But if we were to start having big events run by stores, for example. The real downside to going to more colors is a couple extra thousand dollars on the mana base, uh -huh. which uh, sounds exactly like how to curate a healthy format, if you ask me. So this is why we ban fetches, right? 
just solve all of our issues. Oh, God, <laughs> I've heard. I've heard Sheldon. This is. Ben I've heard fetches. Sheldon say that the one of the things he wanted to fix was with, with fetches. Um, or I don't think I don't know if it was he specifically said this or if this was something he was just like floating around. I heard the same thing. Was uh, having it so that the fetches you can't run off color. color fetch, yeah, you which, can't run off which, color fetches, which would make it so much worse. Decks. It's yeah. so that bad. Would only help four color <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, like that's the exact opposite we want. We somehow want. To flip that around, if there is any way to do that, but yeah. If it says mountain, it you can, can any time. You can only run off-color fetches. Yo. <laughs> Honestly, Morgan's, Morgan solved it. Honestly, yeah. we can probably talk about this in a later episode, but I do think that banning fetch lands would solve a lot of the issues in the format. It makes higher-color decks way more vulnerable to back to basics and but blood moon. It makes it a lot back harder to, to play higher mass. colors, which is something that we want to encourage. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to. Oh, sorry, we have one more point that we want to cover. Reed Reed has some um, an interesting. Interesting point you put on the show notes here. So why don't you cover this? Yeah, I was sort of thinking about this as we were writing up these show notes because um, I thought it was just like an interesting comparison to make. And I think it's, the answer is probably going to be obvious, but I think it's good to just get it out there. Yeah, just something to think um, about. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to discuss whether you guys think that the current state of partners in CDH is closer to what Brainstorm looks like right now in Legacy or what Eldrazi Winter looked like in Modern. So let's, where, yeah, let's contextualize yeah. both of these cases. Yeah, so where, what's, what's, what does Brainstorm and Legacy so mean? What Brainstorm and Legacy is... Brainstorm... So first of all, just to add context to this, Brainstorm is a card that is obviously too good for Legacy. Um, I think anybody that plays in Legacy will probably agree with that, where Brainstorm is... a at least a step above any other card that exists in the format, and it's very good, probably bannable. Um, but the reason why it exists in Legacy is because of the pillar of the format. What a pillar of the format means is that it adds, so it's a staple card in a lot of decks, um, and a lot of different decks too. Uh, there are a lot of different strategies that run Brainstorm in Legacy. And what it does is it actually adds depth to all of those, to all of those uh, strategies, is in that, it allows you to, first of all, find your cards consistently, as it is what it, that's really good. That's <laughs> it's what it does. That's yeah. what it does really well. But Draw three cards, yeah. put two back, crack a fetch. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, do all of that. But what it also does is it adds layers of complexity to those decks. So it's really hard to brainstorm correctly, yep. right? And it's very, it's very, very difficult to learn how to brainstorm at the right time. A lot of people brainstorm way too early or way too late, and it's really difficult and takes a lot of reps to learn when to brainstorm correctly. What it also does is it introduces a lot of counterplay, because a lot of the time what brainstorm decks are doing is very attackable on a lot of axes. You can play, say in like a format that is really entrenched in brainstorm, you can start playing meta strategy or off-meta strategies that attack that really accurately. Like You can play like Chalice of the Void decks, you can play like Blood Moon decks because a lot of Brainstorm decks run fetches and want to be in multiple colors. Uh, like there are a lot of it introduces a lot of nuance in the way that you attack the decks that run Brainstorm in that uh, format. Um, and on then the, on the other side, other yeah. side, uh, Eldrazi Winter sort of on the surface, uh, like without historical context, sort of looks the same if you just look at the metagame breakdown. So Eldrazi Winter actually had like four or five meta decks. Yeah. So Eldrazi Winter was. Uh, Basically, off the back of Oath of the Gatewatch, yeah. Gate there was a bunch of Eldrazi printed, and there was specifically some really solid lands that enabled... Uh, essentially, they, they printed 
these lands these lands were fine when Eldrazi cost when, 10 mana. Yeah, the cheapest colorless Eldrazi was I eight seven or eight mana. I think yeah, it was so the seven. lands are, are Ivugan and, and Eldrazi Temple. Ivugan reduces the cost of Eldrazi colorless, colorless Eldrazi. Eldrazi by uh two, two and then uh Eldrazi Temple can tap for one generic or spend tap for two generic to uh cast, cast colorless Eldrazi. Eldrazi. Or yeah. activate. Or activate. Yeah. So and um, and uh, yeah, as Reed was saying, so, with these different yeah. colors of Eldrazi's, th- of course they're all devoid, which means they're colorless. Yeah. So basically, like basically, uh, what it was is that th- it effectively ruined <laughs> modern for a winter. But um, if you look at it, if you look at top eights without context, there are a lot of color uh, combinations represented in those top eights. There's, uh, I believe, Bant Eldrazi, Jeskai Eldrazi, Blue Red Eldrazi, Gruel Eldrazi. There are like Colorless a lot Eldrazi. of Col- straight up Colorless Eldrazi. There are a lot of different decks being represented, but they're all the same deck. Yeah, they're they, all they're they all, all have, off the back yeah. of these two lands. And then well, Thought Not Seer. Thought, yeah. Basically, basically, it's off the back of I've Ugin, Thought Not Seer, and Reality Crash and Reality uh, Smasher, um, where like the it on like on the surface it might look. Thought Not Seer like, is yeah. fine as a four drop. Reality it's Smasher, a very strong four. It's a strong four, very strong. But it's it's also Reality Smasher is also like a strong five drop, but it's fine as a five drop. Okay, but the problem is, yeah. So what, like I was like I was saying earlier, it's like. Eldrazi were fine when they were ten mana, and you know you're cost reducing them to eight mana or whatever. You could get you could have lands that effectively tapped for two on cards that cost at least seven. Yeah, but then when they print these cards that are efficient, that are solid cards in their in their as their CMC is costed, and then you're reducing them further with these really mana efficient lands, they just become outrageous. I think the essence of this argument is really like. Modern is no longer defined by you know the sixty cards in your deck. It's defined by the twenty, thirty cards that are different than the other Eldrazi decks, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so like I, I just wanted to ask you guys uh, what you think partners are closer to in the current format because I, I, I would personally think. Well, actually, you know, I won't, I won't taint it. I'll let you guys express opinions first. I think it's the worst of both. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good answer. I think, I think Timna's the brainstorm, and I think Thrasios is the Eldrazi in this case. <laughs> I think that it's very much closer to Eldrazi Winter, and I think one of the other sort of defining characteristics that you look at is that Brainstorm is a pillar in Legacy, and Hand Attack is typically not good against Brainstorm because they can tuck away the cards they don't want you to hit. People still play Hand Attack in Legacy. Like, people are actively choosing to bring things that aren't good against this pillar of the format, whereas in Eldrazi Winter, it was everyone was trying to figure out what they could put in their deck to beat Eldrazi, not... Oh well, I'll play this, and you know, if it's not great against Eldrazi, but oh well. Um, and you know, we were talking about it earlier. Like Forbidden Orchard is an upside. People put in Wall of Roots in decks that don't need it to block Timna. You know, people build decks specifically to attack Thrasios and Timna. Yeah, deck, pyroclasms, yeah. like all of these effects. You know, we're, we're seeing pyroclasms, and we're not seeing Teferi because of t- t- Timna. Yeah. Like it, people are actively choosing what they bring around it rather than you know respecting it when they play but not overly warping their deck choices yeah, so in in my mind i think thrasios and timna are the equivalent of ayavugan and eldrazi temple <laughs> they the 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 decks the the shells that they that they support would be fine without them like they'd be they'd be balanced without those cards but they're the ones that are enabling uh the degeneracy and so i think it's very very clearly to me falls into the eldrazi winter category 
Yeah, I'd say they have shades of Brainstorm, but are a lot closer to um, Eldrazi. Um, it's just, yeah, there are a lot of, there are a lot of like, especially with sort of how homogenous a lot of four and five color decks and CDH look, um, even aside from the commanders. I think just with the addition of partners that are a very visible thing in the command zone every game and are going to be played in a lot of those decks, yeah, it's, it's a lot closer to Eldrazi Winter. It's a lot more defined by your Spice and your Wincon than it is by the rest of your cards in your deck. I think uh, my argument saying, you know, Thrasios, or pardon me, uh, Timna is the brainstorm, uh, is inspired from, if you look at other non-Timna decks, uh, sorry, non-Thrasios Timna decks, uh, they're all running Timnas, like Krom Timna, uh, you know, we have uh, Mardu, which is running Timna, Bruce Timna yeah, Bruce Timna, yeah. right? Sadar Timna Stacks, Ikra yeah, Timna, yeah. <laughs> People Try Silas Timna. Um, okay, so how do we fix this? How do we balance balance Thrasius and Timna? Oh, so, well, we just remove a keyword ability. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think the crux of balancing Thrasius and Timna, um, really, when we're talking about this, is that uh, it, we you really want to avoid hitting the casual community. With, yeah, with trying to balance partners. So there's right? yeah. So so this would be in regards to if you want to ban one of them. So there's been some discussion on whether or not I think I think we've all come out as pro flash ban on this podcast. Yeah. Um, but so flash is a card that's been discussed as a really solid ban contender uh, for EDH and with, with the RC because it is something that doesn't is not a unique effect that would see play in casual that that's that pr produces a unique deck in casual play right you can you can use scouts warning savage summoning uh lots of things that give flash you know command zone favorite Vidal attack even yeah. yeah there's all kinds of things that allow you to to get that effect but protein hulk is harder to replicate so flash is something that if you remove from competitive it still allows the protein hulk archetype to exist uh, with Varal's Hulk, or definitely not Varal's, like, sacking things. Uh, so, yeah, like, Shuffle and DNV definitely still exist. Um, they're, they yeah, they just, they just take things, a, yeah. a slight power hit. Yeah, you, you take um, a speed hit. Yeah, so... so like, still better than the old Boonweaver decks that oh, yeah, people played. Sure. And so this is this is why they people think it would be a solid ban, is because it wouldn't affect casual play and would be positive for uh, competitive. Now, the problem with banning either Thrasius or Timna or both is that these are cards that do see play in casual. Because they have so much variety, right? Because you can staple either of them to any other partner. Yeah. yeah. That's that's tons of decks, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, luckily they are both enemy color partners, which means if people were trying to build decks in their colors, at least they'd still have the other... They do have duplicates. Yeah, they, have, they have the other partners, so that's you know not ideal, but better than nothing. I wouldn't say either of them are particularly unique in their effects for casual either, which is... Fairly fortunate. Yeah. Um, well, I would, I would say Thrasios and and Kaidel are very, very different cards. Like, even if it's not yeah, an yeah. infinite, one's a mana sink, one's a mana producer. Yes. No, but it's not like... But like, it, but but like yeah. Kaidel is a lot more unique of an effect to have in a card in the command zone, right? Like, there, there are a lot of comparable effects to Thrasios already in casual. Um, but yeah, just like trying to, trying to like surgically extract, if you will, the... Part, the problem of partners from CDH without touching casual too much. Okay, here's here's a proposal that uh, I sort of thought of that would hurt casual partner players, but would 
be much less impactful, I think, than either a ban or one of the other ideas we'll discuss later. What if? What about shared commander tax? I, I definitely think it would be a fairly good idea. Actually, it makes it it makes it a lot harder to take advantage of both Thrasios and Timna in the same game, which I think is a, where a lot of trouble comes in. Yeah, it, it effectively reduces their their having a uh, starting with a nine card hand and putting them down to eight cards like the rest of us plebs. Yeah, yeah, and like if you curve Dork into Timna on turn two, playing your four cost Thrasios means you're not also holding up a counter spell. Yeah, and also, if you want to commit that Thrasios to the board, if you get Pyroclasm later, your Timna now costs seven yes. instead of five. Five, yeah. yep. Yeah, and if you play your turn two Thrasios you, and it gets removed, you can't play your turn three uh, Timna. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, one, one thing that Morgan was alluding to was there was actually an article on, and this is something that's been discussed actually in, in the community before, but someone decided to make a, a, an article on the subreddit or a post on the subreddit. Yeah. Um, basically suggesting that if you have partners, uh, and so two cards in your command zone, that you start with one less card in your opening hand. Uh, so it would be you start with eight cards, uh, counting the commander, and then for if you have an additional commander, you subtract one. So that's a proposed solution. Personally, I like the shared command tax or a ban. Um, I I actually sort of like the reduced hand size. I think it's. I think that I think that it's over, like it has the widest reach, and the. I think it has a stronger effect on casual than the shared commander tax, and it has a much wider reach than a ban. Yes. Like, because it hurts is, everyone who's... It, it hurts people who are playing, like, Rayhan Ravos. Which is you know, one like, of the oh, problems, yeah. You know, like, oh, my creature's dying counter synergy deck, and then we're coming along and just being like, no, can't <laughs> have fun. Bad. I, I do think it sort of makes sense flavor-wise, though, but also with, like, just, like, intuitively... It sort of makes sense to me anyway, where it's like, yeah, like if you have two things in the command zone, you should have one less thing in your hand. Like you should have the like a, you should have the same total amount of stuff. It feels like that's something that is a modification of the way the standard rules are, right? Like you, it just the way you draw hands is, is something that's a standard rule of magic, whereas commander tax is a special rule. For sure. commander, so I feel like it's it's more uh, intuitive for players if you're modifying the already special rule than if you're modifying a standard rule. That's also fair. I mean, I also think that the shared commander tax is a very intuitive way of doing that, though, um, yeah. considering that like the cards share a command zone, right? Exactly. So. Yeah. Instead now of the commander leaves the command zone, cost two more. Your commanders cost two more for each time you've cast a well, commander any, from any, your command. Anytime zone. you would ever cast something from the command zone, yeah. it costs two more for anything that. Yeah. And also, I think it's less impactful in casual where, like you know what sometimes you're casting your commander for nine and like that's okay like the games are slow enough that people aren't sort of playing their commanders you know because they have nothing else to do they're they're playing like i think commander the fact that thrasius and timna can get played so many times on so little mana like without without going above five mana you can play one of your commanders four times and yes. i think that you know when you're looking at Crom Rayhan or something like that. It's less of uh Yeah. Um so anyone else have anything to say on this? Should we discuss actual bans? Because there are 
there are some there are like a couple different philosophies on how you would ban out thrasios and timna right because yeah sure um ban one ban the other ban both yeah. uh, okay so if 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 ban was the best choice if, if you had to ban what what what, what do you guys pick i i pick timna i think thrasios is honestly fine um i th- i think decks like thrasios vile smasher are great for the format i think decks like um i think thrasios timna obviously is not that great for the format but i think also decks like chrom timna are not that great for the format i think the fact that you can just put black and white on any really any arbitrary partner effect um uh and and then it's a great deck as as a true problem uh you know you don't see bruise uh thrasios right yeah you don't i would i would agree with that banning timna and i like the reasons you presented the other reason i would support that is that thrasios does have a much more defined weakness and that weakness is things that hurt creature abilities damping matrix curse totem linvala totally didn't cover that eh mm-hmm. about the fact that they and yeah the fact that timna they, just you can't hate out thrasios and without and then timna just is fine yeah right? timna just just like oh well you turned off my dorks and thrasios well i guess i'll just get in and still draw cards and imagine if you put in something that prevents attacking right and then thrasios just sits back and dumps mana into his into his ability narset definitely does a great job at stopping timna uh and decks like you know, Urza that can actually keep it alive. But I mean, like, even, you know, I wouldn't choose to play this effect, but even under Narset, Thrasios still says, scry one, reveal the top card of your library if it's a land, put it onto the battlefield tab. Well, also, you can just activate Thrasios like every turns. other person's turn, so you still get, like, three yeah. activations yeah. per turn cycle. Yep. Or, well, four if you do it on your own turn. That's okay. Like, you yeah. know... Maybe you have a training grounds, but you're certainly paying a lot of ma- you're certainly paying for that effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just yeah. You're not getting it for free by you know playing value creatures. <laughs> it's I th- it's definitely a symptom of Thrasios and Timna though that like so many like Spirit of the Labyrinth effects are so good yeah, right people now. People are just though. trying to find ways yeah. to put Narset in their deck. Yeah. Like, yeah. So sorry, Morgan. I I definitely jumped in on your point there. You wanted to finish by saying you were yeah. Sorry, I I support banning Timna. Uh, I think that. It's the real problem, and a deck like, like if somebody still wanted to play like a PST and threat or or Hulk and Thrasios Ravos, I think that that's much less of a problem because Ravos is a lot harder to cast, and even Thrasios Vile Smasher, like that deck does much more inherently fair things than, you know, like it's running cards that you don't want to be running to enable the Vile Smasher, right? Like you don't want to have Curiosity in your deck in a vacuum, but then it's like, oh, I'm. There's some sort of synergy I'm looking at here. It's a lot more unique than just having yeah. a Timna. Yeah. And, and that deck gets pretty heavily nerfed by the shared commander tax, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you really yeah. want both of them in play. Yeah. yeah. Um, myself, I am sold on Matt's argument. I think that uh, what he said sums it up perfectly. I'm, I'm pro-ban Timna. Although I would also, just going to tack this on, I'd also be fine with banning Timna and then also changing the commander tax rule. I just think that just doing partner. I just I'm not a fan of the partner. One than the other. I don't know if you need to do both. If you do them both at the same time, I just don't like just partners. Does not like partners to exist. Just like you can rewind uh, a game of magic to when you made a mistake. Let's rewind <laughs> the cards legal in commander to before. Uh, I think also Timna is a smaller. I mean, partially because the effect is less. 
unique and also less good in casual. I think it's a smaller hit to casual than Thrasios as well. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Like people want to people want to play commanders that let them put extra lands into play. They want to play mana sync commanders. They want to play stuff like that. Um, people who are attractive to Orzov colors are attracted to like Kaza and. Eile and Kor- Karlov and stuff. Karlov yeah. and or or going extra colors and doing like the whole graveyard recursion thing and like Abzan or something like that. I do think there's something to sorry. I'm I'm gonna do a bit of discussion before I state my stance. Okay. Um, I do think that uh, before just stating just banning Timna, there is um, uh, just something that you have to consider about that, which is that banning Timna versus banning Thrasios definitely favors different decks. I think that there are definitely decks that are more favored after, like, from a Thrasios ban versus when Timna gets banned. Or, like, rather, they get hit less mm-hmm. from that. Um, I don't think they necessarily get hit the same amount, but there are definitely those, which is, like, Hulk really doesn't care about a Thrasios ban. You just sort of, like, switch to Gaidel and do your thing anyway. Uh, and, like, just do Staff of Domination backups instead of whatever we're doing right now. But for... Uh, a Timna ban, like that's way harder of a hit for Hulk, who is really just looking for the card draw in the command zone, and so it's less of a hit, still a hit, but it's less of a hit for stuff like PST, which has alternate ways of using their cards to generate advantage. So I think it's worth considering that. That being said, I still support a Timna ban. I think it's the less targeted uh, for casual, and I think it works a lot better at reducing the overall strength of the partner pair. Sorry, and, and one other thing sort of on the note of balancing them, obviously this isn't a digital card game, it's a physical one, so this isn't something they can actually do. Um, but from a design perspective, I think that the partners would have been much more inherently fair, and I think that they showed that they learned this lesson with Battle Bond, if they'd just been more impactful and more expensive. Yep. Like and fewer uh, colors. Now, <laughs> even setting that aside... Now, obviously, the Battle Bond ones had to be balanced for Limited, where they had a tutor stapled to them. Um, So, a lot of them, you could actually argue, cost more than they should. But if Thrasios had been a perfectly serviceable, fair, like, even still strong, 4-drop, and Timna had been either a 4-drop or a 5-drop, you know, even if you scale up their effects proportionately... It would have been so much more inherently fair because the concept of having the extra card in your opening hand just requires so much more mana to... Like, if you play Thrasios and I play Kess, then next turn you tap out for Timna. That's a lot less good than you've already played Thrasios and Timna before I play Kess? What? Yeah, it's it's just a lot harder to making it harder to access the extra card in your hand. Like I think none of them should have cost two, and I think like Akiri is fine, man. Akiri is fine. I think it's a nice thing that the partners can curve. Like that was definitely that's definitely part of a partner design. But it it probably should have been three to four rather than two to three. Yeah, three to four would have been a much more fair curve. Um. Okay, so let's wrap that up and move on to gut check. Gut check. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I th- this this question requires a bit of uh, contextualization. So I'll read the question first, and then uh, contextualize it, and then get your responses. 
the question is, what power level range do you most enjoy playing in? And this is for, obviously, Commander. Um, and so the, con the contextualization is that some people... Or different, depending on on which source you're getting it from, in this in the CDH community on Discord and Reddit, uh, we use the power level scale of CEDH, high power, mid power, casual, and those are those can be quite wide ranges. Uh, mid power can, you know, span quite a lot. CDH is is generally the smallest category, but yeah. Um, but so then there's some other uh, power level rankings that people use. Uh, I think the command zone uses a one to ten scale. Um, but yeah, so, you know, most people have an understanding of what generally the power levels are. Uh, so what power level do you enjoy playing in the most? So at what point would you make the cutoff where you stop enjoying it? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> but it's my gut, so I'm going to say uh, I think 90%, 92%. <laughs> is my cutoff. No, so so like would you, okay i'll i'll lead by example on this one my power preferred range for power level that i play in is competitive through mid power i do not enjoy playing oh, in boys. casual right descriptions yeah yeah uh i would i think i would actually agree with you yeah uh mid power to to competitive yeah i uh i appreciate everything from from casual through competitive Although I generally don't enjoy playing super casual decks, just looking at sort of the effort people put into them. But I would say I'm mo my favorite has to be somewhere on the cusp of high power and the very bottom of CDH. I think that there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's essentially, if I can maybe add to your point, like if you remove all the competitive commanders from competitive, like what you have left. <laughs> high power, yeah. yeah. High power, yeah. <laughs> Uh, personally, I enjoy playing Shufflehog the most on a planet, um, but I will play all the way down to ladies looking left tribal in the right conditions. Yeah. <laughs> it requires a different mindset, but I'll go there. Three-headed plane chase only. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dude, Kamigawa block, popper tiny leaders, that's my uh, shit. <laughs> Final destination, fox only. <laughs> no, no, no. Pokey floats, Kirby only, all items. <laughs> World awake, oathbreaker only. Yeah, so... You guys, you can you can respond to the gut check question uh, on our Discord. There is a gut check channel. There is a survey that you can answer, and you can also check out the responses what other people say. Uh, so you can also enter your own um, responses. It's not a preset. So if you want to, if you feel more comfortable on the one to ten power scale, our uh, the standard power scale that we we're using, or some other you know letter grades or <laughs> or. <laughs> favorite animals in the zoo <laughs> farm animals yeah for playing from like chicken to matrix to, pit to cow yeah whatever so we'll we look forward to uh, seeing your responses and uh yeah one more one more thing about sure. gut check uh we have been sort of considering not for all gut check questions but for some gut check questions in later episodes coming back you know discussing our answers discussing your answers um so we were wondering do you guys like it when we just ask the question and move on? Or would you like to hear once everyone's filled out the survey and checked their gut? Uh, would you like to hear you know more discussion and analysis in later episodes? So I'll also be attaching that as a question on the survey uh, for you to answer. 
Dope, dope, dope. Uh, so before we close it out, we've got a listener question from uh, Meep Omatic, who yeah, my boy, been asking lots of good questions on the Discord server lately. Uh, his question is: Can I get a discussion on countering the tutor versus countering the spell the tutor is getting? And so, I mean, this isn't so much as a, a question as it is a demand. <laughs> for a discussion yes, but yes you can get that discussion yeah yeah well yeah, no, no, let's we'll just discuss do it. that yeah we'll, we'll do it so there's uh there, there's some a bunch of different ways you can approach this there, there's there's multiple levels to this to this kind of uh, evaluation of whether or not you should be countering the tutor or the spell the tutor is finding so let's let's start on like the base level at least this is my kind of framework that i'm using is that you got to look at what kind of counter spell you have so you've got dispel, you've got flusterstorm, you've got you know maybe muddle the mixture. Mental These are things misstep. that mental misstep. Spell pure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Force spike. Yeah. There's there's two there's a there's a bunch of counter spells that only counter or that are that are restricted in what they can counter. So if they're casting a vampiric tutor and you've got a dispel, you know if they find an ad nauseum, then I mean your dispel can counter the ad nauseum, but you have to be able to sort of anticipate that they'd be finding an ad nauseum, which is hard to do. Um, and so that's that's more things for later levels uh, below this first level that, that I could potentially discuss. But um, yeah, the type of counterspell you have is, I think, the first method you should use to whether or not you should counter it. If it's overly restrictive, you should probably counter it if you can. Yeah, if you have a real real bad counter spell then you should probably spend it earlier rather than later and like it, it really is just an extension of like why does everybody use mental misstep on the first like vampire tutor that they see well because it may well be the only time you're going to get to use that mental misstep that might be a really high va- that's like really high value target compared to something like a lanowar yeah <laughs> like if they're vamping for a flash yeah good luck yeah. <laughs> um sort of implicit in the answers that both of you gave i'll just sort of formalize it is that generally it's best to counter the thing that they get um, because they've committed more resources they've you know made their decisions and maybe they cast it later so you know something more threatening came up in the meantime or maybe they get something you actually decide you don't want to counter also, maybe you thought they were going for ad nauseum and they got toxic delusion that's great so another port another important thing that's also kind of implicit in what we were saying is that you want to sandbag your interaction for one for protecting your own combos but also to potentially draw out interaction from the other players. Let ev- everybody else deal with the problem well, before well, you also have if, to. Yeah, if you also, counterspell yeah. a tutor and somebody else had a mental misstep like yeah. that they probably would have spent. Yeah, so the base case is you want to hold your interaction as late as possible. And then there are a whole bunch of reasons you might decide that this isn't the base case based on specific factors. Like how restricted your tutor is or, you know, the opportunity that you have or, you know, Sometimes they're not getting something you can counter, or you can't counter effectively. Like it could be Dakmore and Gitrog, or I've had people let me resolve, like let me resolve tutors in Muldrotha, and literally say that they can just counter what I get. I'm like, so I can cast cards from the graveyard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so the level that's like superficial level. That's when you should you should counter it if you can if your counter spell is restrictive. But then. The, the level that's more skill intensive beyond that is regarding reading what your opponents are going to get. Yeah. So this requires an intimate knowledge of the format and of other people's decks. So And the people themselves. And the people themselves. So I was going to say, uh, Matt and Morgan have been playing against 
me as a Gitrog player for a long time. So I would I would say that with probably like 75% accuracy, they could shot call what I tutor. Now, Reed is obviously quite accomplished as a player himself, so he could probably shot call maybe slightly less effectively only because he hasn't played against specifically near, yeah specifically and, me as a player specific, enough. specifically his builds yeah is another thing um but yeah they could mad morgan probably could probably shot call 75 percent. so if they if they um put me on ad nauseum they might save a dispel right yeah. uh you know but if they put me if they if they put me on finding a life from the loam that's a great time exactly like morgan was saying with uh moldrotha someone all just kind of what he get if you countering my life from the loam is going to do jack Unless it's Dude, force of negation or delay. <laughs> yeah. um, Delaying your life from the loan is the best feeling ever, can I just I mean, say? In theory, I should be able to call your tutors, but you always have it. <laughs> He's getting <laughs> ad nauseum. Anyway. Reveals dark ritual. Oh, he already has that. <laughs> oh. Always getting albums. Oh, albums. Yeah, I yeah, see. Yeah, 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 I just counter back up. Um, but yeah, so that's something that you can, you, you can get better at, even if it's agnostic of whether who who you're playing against it also depends on the deck though um because a lot of the time like different decks will have access to a different range of uh things that they're looking to tutor for a lot of like lower color like if you're looking at like model blacks at ec there's a very low range of what they're going to go for a tutor on yeah. like even independent of the player it's going to be like adnos or like an artifact a lot of the time so you, like there's a very low range there whereas opposed to something like pst or shuffle where there's a range all the way from instant sorcery as well as artifact as well as creature as well as enchantment well i think even more than that is like the more controlier staxy decks where sometimes they're going for their win pieces but sometimes they're also just going for like a hate piece or a value yeah, engine definitely um so the final level that i would say is and this is the hardest thing to do is to not only shot call what they're gonna get but also figure out what counter spells the other players have in their hands or just interaction in general, yeah right so this this is kind of information that you get from how they respond to someone passing priority if they pause for a second you know if they how they hold up their mana like dude i only play in constant time operations everything takes the <laughs> same five seconds <laughs> in order to yeah and like and the, it gets harder the more they the, the better they are at concealing information just like general posturing and texture of the game yeah um how much mana they're keeping up uh, how how likely you know that specific player is to bluff interaction yep. versus not bluff interaction versus tutor for a force of will. Yeah. So <laughs> if somebody else is tutored and you think that they're likely to have gotten a force of will, you can hold on to your tutor. Yeah, being the person to mystical tutor for a force of will and having that be public information is now whenever someone presents a threat, it's on You're you. You're the first to respond. Yeah. yeah. You've you've discarded your force will, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you've ex, and you've exiled your important blue card. Your time twister. Your time twister. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, unless I, I, that, that's the way I view this. There's three primarily three skill difficulties, and you know, go down to whichever one you feel comfortable. And and the better you are as a player, the better you're going to get at evaluating whether or not you should counter the tutor, the spell they're finding, or just sandbag. Uh, another. So uh, one that I'd want to tack on there. Um, I, I don't think this cleanly fits into a level, but um, if you know that they're going to be able to fight over a win condition and when they're tutoring, they don't have the mana to fight over, 
out when conditions. So like say, end step tutor. Say, yeah. say they have, say they're almost tapped out except for one black mana, and then they end step a vamp tutor. And you know they have counter magic in hand, but they don't have the mana to spend right now. But they will once they untap. You go. I'm going to counter that vamp tutor right now while I still can. And that because. has and that has a double benefit because it means on their turn, instead of trying to win, and even if they lose the counter war over their win condition, like now you're tapped out and they're tapped out. They're holding up all their interaction and for the next player. For yeah. the next player, and like in terms of taking advantage of opportunities, I I am reiter- reiterating an old point, which is uh, restrictive counter spells generally have better mana costs, so you want to take advantage of them when, um, when that's appropriate. Lanowar elves, mental misstep. <laughs> I don't know how many times my Boiled Druids has been misstepped. It's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I mental misstep Sensei's top, not because the card is too good, just. Because it takes half an hour off. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's 8.30. I, just, I, I want to finish this game. Just get it out of here. Um, okay, well, that about wraps it up for this episode. If you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoTheNorthPod via our email, IntoTheNorthPodcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you would like to become a patreon we are at patreon.com slash into the north podcast thank you as always to the band vox cadre for our lovely podcast music to nate slover for our equally lovely equally lovely podcast logo and and to nick for mixing our podcast next episode will be out in two weeks until then see ya see ya bye have a good one Fourteen.